Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. Uh, Our purpose is to equip and encourage parents, as well as children's workers, and even pastors to disciple the children that God has put under their influence. We're trying to further the conversation about how what we believe, that's our theology, affects how we parent and how we minister. Now, as always, I'm joined by... The Right Reverend Pastor Anthony Tresoni, the family pastor at Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland. Well, that's good to be back, Tony. And I'm Ben Palaz. I'm the family and children's discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. And we've got a special guest with us today. Uh, we've got Jared Kennedy. He is one of the pastors, the family pastor at Sojourn Community Church. Uh, Jared, it's good to have you with us today. It's good to be with you. All right. Well, today we want to talk about a topic that has fallen on hard times, uh, at least from my perspective, uh, in evangelical circles. So depending on where you live, what your background is, uh, the word catechism will have different connotations for you. Now, I'd assume that most of our audience at least has a category for it, but if not, that's okay. I think you'll still benefit from this conversation today. Uh, Some see catechism as something that Roman Catholics do. Others might see it as something that well, just Presbyterians or maybe Lutherans do. But either way, it's sort of a relic of the past. Uh, new uh, current churches, that's not something we need to bother with. It's just dry and dusty and boring. But I think guest today has a different take on that, and he's actually taken the time to write a catechism for use in his church, and uh, other churches have picked it up. And so we'll get to to all that in a moment. But before we do, Jared, Jared, just tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do in service to the Lord. As you've said already, my name is Jared Kennedy, and I serve as pastor of families at Sojourn Community Church, um, the Midtown Congregation in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I've been um, on staff at Sojourn for almost 11 years now, and I lead our our children's ministry and, and work with our our student pastor leads our, our youth ministry um, at the Midtown campus. Um, I'm married to Megan. Uh, we've been married for 15 years, um, and we have three daughters. Rachel, who's about to be 13, Lucy, who's 11, and Elizabeth, who is 9 years old. Praise the Lord. Right. That's wonderful. Now, I want to ask, uh, with introductions being set, Jared, what does catechism really mean? What is it, uh, and what does it involve? Yeah, so catechism is just um, really simply it's questions and answers used to teach Bible doctrine. Um, So I grew up as a Southern Baptist kid in South Georgia, um, further south than Augusta even. And um, I did. Where is that? So I grew up in America. Oh, yeah. Southwest Georgia. So, I, you know, we did Bible drill when I was a kid where we would kind of hold the Bibles. We would look up the verses as fast as we could and, um, and kind of race to find verses of the Bible or books of the Bible, memorize Bible passages. And one of the things we always did as part of that Bible drill was a doctrine drill where the, um, the person leading the drill would call out um, a doctrine question. I mean, it was something as simple as, how can a person be saved? Um, and as children, we memorized verses from the scriptures that answered those questions. And so, you know, from my elementary years, I was taught, you know, Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth uh, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, To the an- as an answer to that question. And nobody in that Deep South Southern Baptist Church ever called that catechism, um, but that's all it was. Um, 
It's the simple question and answer, usually that can be memorized in that sort of way that teaches um, basic or, uh, you know, throughout church history, even more extensive Bible doctrine. And so, um, in one sense, it's just a mnemonic. It's a memory tool to help you help you remember your basic theology. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Yeah, the I, I think it's helpful to even understand the term. It's it's such an unusual term in our culture in our time, especially in us our Baptistic churches. Uh, but you know, literally, the term just means oral instruction, and you know, there's nothing scary about oral instruction, and it's just a way to basically teach systematic theology, which is why I've been blessed by it. Yeah, and and you know, most of us wouldn't know this, but the Greek word katecheo, which means just to teach or instruct, shows up in the Bible. It shows up in places like uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 4, and Acts 18, 25. And, and Luke just uses it to, to talk about hey, any kind of teaching or instruction. Um, but very early in church history, it came to refer to a specific type of teaching. Um, in the early church, new converts were taught the basics of Christianity by memorizing a series of questions and answers. And so, um, as I said just a minute ago, catechism is just that. It's a series of questions and answers that, that's used to teach basic Bible truth. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that, that was a helpful, um, non-threatening uh, explanation of it. And now with that said, there are a lot of catechisms that have been produced in the history of the church. I mean, the Roman Catholic Church has its own, and then um, there are a number of ones that sprang out of the Reformation, and with and some churches still use it today. So, with all those out there, why did your church? Why did you? And you you co-authored uh, the North Star Catechism with Daniel Montgomery, correct? That's correct. So, why did you guys set out to make your own? Yeah, I mean, I I think the two reasons that I would give is, um, one, we wanted to go back and draw from the best of the um, historic Reformation catechisms, um, but use a language that would be understandable and digestible for, for kids today. So um, there, when we started producing it, um, there wasn't a lot of that happening. And so the New City Catechism that the Gospel Coalition uses had just come out, and you know we we felt like this was a really helpful summary of those um, historic catechisms. But we were using a little bit different language in our local church um, to talk about the identities of of who we are as a church, um, to teach um, the truth about the gospel of God's grace, and we wanted to integrate that language we were already using both in preaching and in local church ministry into into this catechism. And so that was one thing just to, to make it sort of understandable and digestible for a modern audience. Most of the, um, other than the New City, most of the catechisms we were looking at um, uh, used King James language or, um, or earlier language. Um, and so we wanted to, uh, you know, update that language with something that, was more akin to the New Living Translation and New International Version that we were using for preaching. Um, the second thing was we, um, a lot of times, catechisms focus on, here's the doctrine that we believe, um, and not so much the doctrine we practice. Um, and I, I think that's just, if there's any critique of the the Reformed or Gospel-centered movement in 
in the Western world, it's it's that sometimes our doctrine doesn't have wheels. We haven't we haven't thought through what does this actually look like as we go on mission, as we get into community. And so we wanted we wanted to use language. Not that there are always specific applications of the doctrines in the in the catechism, but we wanted to use language um, that would help us think about um, being on mission as Christians. Um, doing works of, of social justice, participating in um, in community, going on the mission field. And so the original language that was developed, even before it was developed into a catechism, was developed to train church planners and missionaries who were being sent out from our church. Really? And then we, and so then we took those concepts from our church planning and missionary training and began integrating them kind of back into historic um catechisms so um the the five identities that you'll find talk about in the catechism that uh, we as a church are are worshipers um and disciples we are part of god's family we are servants and we are witnesses um was developed as part of our church planner training and then we integrated it back into um the baptism formula in the catechism following some work that jeff vanderstone had done out at at Soma Community mm-hmm. Church in um, Tacoma, Washington. And in a similar way, kind of the threefold um, understanding of the gospel, um, God's kingdom uh, entered into uh, by God's, uh, through God's cross, by God's grace. That kingdom cross grace um, came from some church planning material that we were using from, from Tim Keller. Um, cool. And, uh, you know, kind of preaching grid that we were training our church planners in. Hey, there's a kingdom aspect to the gospel uh, uh, that is, uh, you know, it's situational. There are things that are going to change when the gospel comes to bear in your context and in your situation. There's a normative aspect of the gospel, substitutionary atonement. It's the way we enter in. Um, and then there's an, an existential aspect of the gospel, a part that you receive and apply to your heart by grace. Um, and the whole first part of the catechism is shaped according to those three movements, um, which came straight from Keller and straight from our church planning materials that we were tra- training our church planners in as we were developing them as preachers. And so uh, the goal was to kind of basically teach our kids this life, this Christian life, a lived theology, um, the same way that hopefully we were, were training leaders. That's awesome. Man. That's that cool. is yeah, and, and if you don't know, Sojourn Community Church, um, they were a church plant in Louisville, and then now they have a church planting network. We actually have one down the road from us, uh, Crawford Avenue Baptist Church, um, that's part of that network. And and so that's I think that is excellent to, to bridge what we believe affects how we live. And actually, uh, tomorrow we're supposed to talk to Connie Dever, the author of Praise Factory, and a part of the stuff they have on their website um, – she she quotes Martin Luther that theology is a matter of how we live and how we die, and so it's mm-hmm. not ivory tower stuff. It, it does affect very mundane things, but also you know taking the gospel to others and, and helping them to live in light of it. So that's that was helpful. 
You know, I want to say uh, with the, the North Star Catechism uh, that our family, as well as our church, has really, truly, deeply been blessed by it. Pretty soon after I came to our church, we sought out to, to be able to teach that kind of doctrine to kids and even to teach doctrine to my own kids. Uh, we sought out a catechism that I think best articulates not just uh, that the more ba- um, baptistic understanding of the faith, but uh, one that is comprehensive and uses language that I think is more helpful. And uh, we're really blessed to find yours and... Uh, we you know we use it in our worship services. We use it uh, as as in take home sheets. We use it kind of in everything that we do with our kids. As we encourage parental discipleship, and even in our own family, like it's been it's been so exciting. We really uh, talk about we go through our north our points as we call them in our church uh, every night, and uh, it's it's provoked some really fascinating conversation as our children you know talk about what is sin. Sin is saying no to God and doing what we want instead of what God wants, and what that really mm-hmm. means. For for our life, and we appreciate that. So that's super encouraging. I'm really uh, thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah, absolutely. It's really been a huge blessing to our lives. There's been no question. Even you know, our uh, that our our youngest isn't an age where she can really follow along, but she gets excited when we do our North Star Catechism points, and and our uh, three year old is as learning more and more, and he gets excited every time he can uh, no, every time he can recite a point, and it's amazing how many more you more they can understand and follow than you really think that they can. Now, with that, I'll ask. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely, kids can kids absorb so much, and um, we do we do similar things. Where you know, in our home, we pick kind of one a week to to meditate on and to practice and and memorize together. And um, at our children's ministry, we pick uh, one per per month or per six week unit that kind of corresponds with the the stories we're teaching. That's cool. Um, through our Sunday curriculum, and the kids memorize that together, kind of as a call res- and response in our in our worship gatherings we do in our children's ministry. So actually, we make it really fun in in children's ministry. It, kind of what we do to close out that worship time is the worship leaders ask what time it is, um, and the kids have all of the regular kids have learned now that it's catechism time. And so they shout out catechism time at the top of their lungs, and then um, <laughs> they do a little like dance riff where they dance around before they recite the the catechism question, which is pretty hilarious. So nice. um, um, it's actually the old uh, tequila riff, and uh, okay. they just shout catechism at the end. So nice. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> I'm um, guessing that it doesn't happen in uh, Presbyterian churches. Like, gosh, what are you teaching our children? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Nice, nice, <laughs> wonderful. It's fun. So, uh, the you fleshed out some uh, a little bit on the, in the North Star Catechism and how you know it took shape. But would you mind fleshing that a little more? Yeah, again, um, our I, I think as I said, our our lead pastors um, and the Sugar Network were developing um, material um, on the gospel uh, that it is life with God and God kingdom that's entered into through God's cross by God's grace. Um, the church, and I, I talked about the, the identities the church has, and then the mission that church is sent on in the world. Um, we're kind of working through that material, teaching it to church planners and to missionaries. Um, and we said, how can we have a, a children's ministry um, where our kids are challenged with language that, that integrates with what we're teaching uh, the leaders in our church? 
And so I sat down um, with material that Daniel had kind of written out for church planners and and um, and missionaries that we were training, and said, "How does this work with historic um, catechisms?" And so, um, what you find in most of the historic catechisms is they start with sort of a, a vision statement um, that's either either focused on who God is and His glory, or the way we as people meet with God um, through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's kind of right at the beginning, and, and we started with that as well. We start with uh, who God is and His glory, and then enter into um, God's law. And so each of the ancient catechisms kind of walk through the Ten Commandments. So that's the next section, is the, is the Ten Commandments, and, um, which shows us what life with God and God's kingdom looks like, what obedience to Him looks like. It also shows us our need for uh, the good news, and so then the Catechism discusses what Je- who Jesus is and what He's done for us um, through His His cross, life, death, and resurrection. Um, and then we we walk to how we're changed by that through God's grace. And then the end of the Catechism uh, talks about taking that out on mission into the world. So we talk about what that looks like in the local church, um, baptism, and communion, those identities I was talking about a moment ago, and then. It closes with walking through um, the Lord's Prayer, which the historic catechisms, children's catechism, Baptist catechism for boys and girls, uh, London catechism, Westminster, and and Heidelberg all all sort of close in that way with uh, kind of walking through the Lord's Prayer, which is a reminder to me. I love that that prayer is under the missions heading because it's a reminder to me that um, the life of mission is a life with God, a life... um, where we're walking with him in prayer. So that's that's how it worked, and then we kind of passed it back and forth to each other, and then we said, let's put it on flashcards. So we put it on flashcards and began to kind of develop um, some devotional material that goes goes along with it as well. So that was the how it was developed in, in our local church. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's fantastic. Praise the Lord for that. That this sounds, in case you're not convinced yet, I mean, you can hear uh, someone in a church that, that's actively trying to make disciples both there and abroad. And this, like you just said, Jared, a life with God, a life on mission with Him, depending on Him in prayer, um, that's intensely practical and joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Well, so that, I mean, that kind of leads this into the next thing we we're talking about. And I mentioned this at the beginning, but often people might associate uh, catechism with Roman Catholics or, you know, high churchy liturgical kind of things, this, you know, boring sort of uh, rote memorization. Um, I'm guessing you don't see it that way. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it goes back to the Exodus. And so if you go all all the way back to passages like... um, Exodus 12, 26, and 27, Exodus 13, uh, 14 through 16, or Joshua 4, 6 through 7, um, all the way back at the very beginning, when God gave the law to the nation of Israel, he had kids in mind, and he expected that the kids who are in the covenant community would have questions about what the community was doing. So in each one of those passages, you find this formula. It says, when your children ask you, um, what does this ceremony mean to you? Or why are you set up these rocks? 
then tell them. And then it's Moses or Joshua gives them basically this little script to memorize and tell their kids when when this happens. And um, in the Passover passages, it's something that the kids, um, you know, in Jewish culture have come to, like, the kids are actually required to ask those questions as part of the Passover feast every, every year. What What is this unleavened bread for? What is this, um, you know, why are we sweeping the floor? Why are, why is, why is this happening? Um, God knew the kids would ask, and so he gave them this, basically this prepared, simple script for answering their kids' questions. In Exodus twelve twenty seven, it went like this. It's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. And it was just simply that. We have a God who rescues and saves us. Why do we keep the ceremony? Because we have a God who, um, who passed over the houses, who passed over our houses, um, in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared us. We have a God who is a rescuer. Um, and so I, one of the things I love about catechism is that it equips moms and dads to capture so many moments during the rest of life. And so you, you may memorize a question like, what is God's glory? Which sounds super abstract, right? God's glory is his the answer is God's glory, his goodness, and his greatness. Shining out um, to the world. Shining out to the world. But then, um, you know, moms and dads are out and on a walk to the park, and mom says, or, or dad says, or, you know, park ranger says, that flower is glorious, or that sunset is, is glorious. Immediately you have, if, you know, for those who are, are tuned in and ready to capture that moment. Um, you know, we capture moments all the time, right? We pull out our, our iPhone and we, <laughs> you capture the moment you post it on Instagram. Uh, one of the things we want to have in our culture for our parents is that they're aware when they hear those little words come up that are just kind of regular things we're memorizing in the catechism, they can capture that moment and remind their kids of the truth. Um, throughout just those little moments to during daily life. So capture that little moment and then, then leverage it for, for teaching about truth and say, Hey, you know, God tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, and so when we see that beautiful sunset, we're reminded that we have a God who is good and who is great. He shows his goodness by bringing the sun up every day. He shows his greatness and the beauty and kind of wonder of his creation that we're experiencing in this circumstance. And so, um, you know, hopefully in memorizing truth, it's not just this legalistic thing we're doing in family devotions every night because we need to check off the box. Um, it requires discipline for sure to, um, to remember to pull out the flashcards and, and go over those questions to ones that are maybe more difficult than others to, to kind of press in and actually like work with your kids to memorize it. Um, but the joy to me of catechizing is when um, kind of in the rest of life, we things come up and I actually have vocabulary. My kids have vocabulary for connecting those other moments they experience to God or, and to their theology, you know, to what they believe about God um, throughout the everyday moments of life. And so, you know, to me, one of the joys of having 
having and kind of helping create a catechizing culture is um, hopefully we have a culture of parents who have memorized these truths and are able to um, kind of walk back from the life they're living every day with their kids back to um, the truth of their theology and the truth of the scriptures, um, which is why I also think it's really important um, to memorize the Bible verses that go along with the catechism question. Um, because I, I, my goal isn't to root kids in the North Star catechism as the, the norming norm and the standard for the way they live, but, but root them in the scriptures. Um, and so hopefully the catechism is just a teaching tool that moves kids from, from life back to theology and ultimately back to, back to God's word itself. Yeah. That's good. And I think that progress in moving, you know, it's, it's a shame that often it's uh, seen this kind of act of catechizing as just something that's liturgical, like Ben brought up, or even Roman Catholic. And, and it's, uh, it's just one of the ways I think we've been wrongly influenced in our society that even the idea of you know the, that formal catechism that uh, if even more than is mentioned in Exodus that formal written out catechism it doesn't I mean doesn't have this kind of historical roots we might think it goes in more ways than not it really goes back to the Reformation and Martin Luther and Martin Luther's passion for family discipleship Martin Luther's passion to teach uh, formal doctrine that is based upon that the word of God, just like he said, just rooted in scripture. And, you know, and even I think the idea that the liturgical uh, movements are the Roman Catholic movement uh, that started this kind of thing. The Roman Catholics actually formed catechisms in response to the early reformers' uh, teachings. So, you know, even their early catechisms uh, were written as, as what we believe in contrast to what Martin Luther believes or what Mark Calvin believes or what uh, whatever Reformation movement believes. And even, you know, the idea of of that being, you know, the the, the little Catholic boy, little Catholic girl, uh, you know, the being raised in that catechism and reaching a certain age and having to recite the catechism before you get uh, really inaugurated into church membership, before you're able to be dedicated. I mean, doesn't. It doesn't go that that long ago in history. You know, we're near Baltimore, and the Baltimore Catechism in the 19th century was really the first Catholic catechism that uh, was what was created to be done for children. Whereas families have been doing catechisms in this kind of way among those who were really gospel-centered for hundreds of years prior to that. Yeah, this may be a little more academic than you want to get to into on the podcast, but. Uh Timothy Paul Jones, who's who's one of our pastors and a professor at a at Southern Seminary, read a paper at um, the Evangelical Theological Society this year, where he traces the catechizing work and the basically the Sunday children's ministry work. They had classes for children both in Geneva and Wittenberg that both Calvin and Luther were doing. Um, he traces that and when they give their apologetic for doing children's classes um, on Sunday afternoon where they taught the taught a catechism, both Calvin and Luther say they're doing their best to recover what the practice of the early church was. Yeah. Um, and so they're even thinking like, we're not just making this up. Like we're, our goal is to go back to what, um, you know, and we don't know exactly what, what origins catechism classes looked like in, in, in North Africa, in, um, 
you know, first and second century. But we we know that he had them. We know that they were they were teaching something called catechism to to new converts very early. That may have involved questions and answers, or it may have just been you know a simple curriculum they were walking yeah. through with with each new convert as they prepared them for baptism. That's fascinating. Um, but, I didn't realize that. Um, but, <clears throat> but Calvin and Luther were convinced they were tracing this practice back um, to the early church. Um, and I'm kind of convinced the early church was tracing their practice back to the time of the Exodus, that, that not in a formal systematic theology kind of way, because that's, that's definitely more modern, um, but in terms of the questions and answers that would call kids back to the larger story of the scriptures, you know, Jewish families have been practicing that for for centuries. And so yeah. I think we'd be wrong to say this is something that is just a Western practice and or that we can just go back to the Reformation for it. But this this idea of children's discipleship um, that the church and parents both take on as a responsibility is um as ancient as the people of Israel, um, goes back to the earliest days of the church. And the idea of using that to prepare um, young converts, new converts, and and children um, to be you know, well-informed, theologically rooted church members yeah. um, has been happening since the very, the very first days of the church um, in the first century. And, you know, that's, I want to be a part of that. Um, Amen. Yeah. Of that line, you know, I, I, and I, I think, you know, in whether they use catechism language or not, I'm, I'm thankful for the churches I were, was raised in that, that, you know, taught me these stories in children's ministry that that taught me questions and answers, um, taught me to memorize verses and in, in Bible drill um, because this is a big part of what the Christian faith looks like. Um, it looks like intentional discipleship of of the next generation. And I, I think this is a really helpful and very old tool. Yeah. That's awesome. Now we've talked uh, some about things that happened much, uh, very long ago, even in the old Testament. Uh, but to look to today, do catechisms still have a place for today? Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I think, I think absolutely they do. And, um, I, I think I, I actually, I think North star is great. I think, um, New City Catechism is is really good. I I would encourage local churches to to think about picking a catechism with questions and answers that that have language that kind of correspond to language your local church uses on a regular basis. I forget what it's called. It's like the ninety nine questions and answers or something like that that uh, the Gospel Project by Lifeway uses. I don't think Lifeway would ever put catechism. The word catechism <laughs> no. on their website, no. but I mean, basically, they have a catechism that, like, they're teaching through their children's curriculum, and and so, uh, in some contexts, it's probably healthy. Not, you know, if you've got a super Catholic context, or um, you've got a a context that's just going to be incredible, uh, you know, a, a more fundamentalist context where it's going to be super suspicious of of a, a word like catechism. I, you may start out um, just using, like, these are questions and answers that teach Bible doctrine, or this is Bible drill, you know, or this is, like, the big picture questions in, in our uh, Sunday school curriculum. Um, but I think, I think it'd be 
foolish of us not to see that throughout history God has used this teaching tool as a as a way to help um, kids learn and, and think deeply about theology and um, and to take advantage of that. Um, do I think you're in sin if you don't use a catechism? No, I you know I, I don't think this is like a gospel issue, but I I think it's really helpful, and I think um, you know what we've seen throughout church history on different continents in different ages and different contexts. It's like a tool that God has has used to um, equip the next generation and and leaders as well in churches. It's one of those things we want to pass on to the kids at our church for sure. Well, and I want to add, you know, we need to catechize in our day because uh, whether we catechize or not, our children will be catechized in one sense or another. I mean, the world around us wants to catechize. And even in sometimes for, very formal sense, I think of, uh, you know, I read recently of the news of uh, Justin Trudeau uh kind of made a statement that really alienated those in Canada that were pro-life. And he mentioned in that statement, uh, suggesting kind of taking some funding away from pro-life groups, that uh, the that those who are pro-life aren't in line with our Canadian values that were taught from a young age, something like that. So these core Canadian values that we need to hold to. And so, you know, he's talking about values. He's talking about systematic values. There's values around us, whether we like it or not in that kind of mm-hmm. catechistic way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. totally true. I, I think we we want the kind of language that, not necessarily in a subversive way, but in a foundational way, uh, helps our kids build a worldview um, that um, they're able to look at the culture as they encounter it and, and say, this is in accord with our Christianity or this is not. I, I think, I think in the same way, and you you know, just even um, one of the things I really appreciate about Luther is he's just not afraid to talk about demons everywhere and <laughs> angels <laughs> helping you every day, and and um, and our you know modernist culture, we may even memorize theological statements without thinking about the spiritual world that um, is there behind what our eyes can see that our kids are encountering every day. You know, hopefully through the way we're teaching, we're also challenging kids to continue to have a a great wonder about um, the world they live in, where um, they see, because they've been taught from the youngest age, there's a a spiritual world that's beyond um, what their senses experience, that um, God is at work in the world around them. And, And there's a real a war and, and battle going on um, in the spiritual realm for our churches and and for the way we think each and every day. Thank you for joining us for part one of a two-part interview with Sojourn Family Pastor Jared Kennedy talking about catechism. The second part of this interview will be posted in one week from the original posting of this episode. And as always, we're glad to have you listen in. And you can listen to all of our episodes on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Spreaker, as well as on Stitcher. We hope that you've been blessed by this episode, and we hope that you continue to listen in and continue the important work of discipling the children in your area of influence. God bless.